we all make horrible decisions in our lifetime. And if you haven't made a horrible decision, I, you haven't I made know, very many I, decisions. I don't know what kind of creature you are. <laughs> like, like that's how we learn. And welcome to the By Reason of Insanity podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Devin. My thinking is, we there's something that we do all the time, and we do it. We've talked about this to a degree. We have to make choices and decisions on a daily basis. Some are very mundane. Some are are life-altering, potentially. So I guess my question for you today is this. How and what governs our choices? You know, my first thought is emotion. Um, I think emotion governs a lot of our choices, um, given that the, the prefrontal cortex of our brain, which is the logic and decision-making part of our brain, uh, is the most recent to develop. Um, the other, and there's no real connection between the two parts of the brain that are emotion and logic. Uh, and so the most powerful part of our brain is the emotional part. And so I think a lot of our decision-making is on an emotional basis. Do you make more logic-based decisions or motion-based decisions? Personally, I tend to I tend to play towards logic. Um, I tend to look at the overall picture and say, "Okay, fine. If one plus one doesn't equal two, that's not a good choice." Yeah. So, but sometimes you just got like that feeling. Yeah, there is that that feeling in the in in the pit of your stomach, or that it's just kind of like, man. Is this the right, you know, logically it may make all the sense in the world, but there's still that nagging space that says, is this the right decision? But there's also different, like, I'm just thinking back to something you told me a while ago now, and it's making me think about, like, the different personalities in decision-making. And so something that you enjoy and you like doing uh, and that you do, you jump feet first into it. Yes. You've, you've said that, right? Yes. So so that can't entirely be a logic-based decision. That's definitely, even if you don't consciously know it, subconsciously, there's there's an emotional decision going on there. Oh, says, okay, listen, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I may think through, think through it on a very basic level. You know, like, okay, well, hey, this has potential, you know, to, to do or be whatever. But if it's something I'm behind, I tend to, yeah. But the, but the baseline is, wow, I really want to do this. And wanting to do this is is, is an emotion. That is, you like, want, or, yeah. That's an emotional response. Well, okay, the desire, yeah, that's supposed yeah. to desire to do so, to do something, you know. Yeah, it's, that's based on emotion. Yeah, I guess that is. I, yeah. I, I really wasn't thinking in those terms of decisions. I was thinking more in terms of, you know. No, I agree. But I think, so there, there's, like, if we we section it into like big life decisions and the the micro decisions we make every day, um, I think we talked about this a little bit in a previous podcast. We did um, that we make like oh god I didn't I didn't even want to say the number wrong but it's like thousands of decisions a day whether or not we realize it. Uh, like the simplest of them is whether we get out of bed in the morning and if if we make our bed or don't make our bed. Those are all decisions we're making. And I think a lot of those decisions are made emotionally. Like, the question I think we ask ourselves a lot is, do I feel like doing that? 
and literally that is <laughs> just the the way that comes out is do I feel like doing that right and that in itself shows the amount of motion that is put into our decisions well okay but I mean on the same side of that even looking at the current decisions I'm having to make I don't feel right like I want to do it to do any of these things to right. be totally honest there's no feeling of oh I so much want to do this but there is the financial backside of it it's like all right, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm good at it. I've done it for years and years and years. That, that's the difference in, in between like and uh, like if some of you have heard of like Tony Robbins, I'm sure you've heard of them. Like these motivational speakers, um, and successful people in general, they'll often tell you or like people will ask them, hey, "Where do you get all the motivation to do this?" And they're like, "I'll tell you what, half the time I have no motivation to do it." but I get my ass up and do it anyway. I don't feel like doing it, but I do it. And so that's it, that's where that line crosses over from, you know, emotional. You you have that emotional response and what you want to do, but you, you counteract it. You say, you know, be damned with the, that emotion. I'm going to do this because it needs done. Or I'm going to do this because it's an end to a means that I want. We all have this story that we tell ourselves, um, you know, the pity story of why this happened and why I'm not this uh, and why that right. didn't happen. And the more we tell ourselves that story and share that story to others, the more we reinforce that story. And, you know, chances are 99% of the time that story, however, you know, you view it is, is not the it's reality. Not of it. Yeah. And we have the worst self perceptions of ourselves and in, in our own, Oh, um, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, without and, a doubt. I mean, I'm my own my own worst enemy. Yeah, and that's absolutely. And that, I think that's true in 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 most cases. Um, but to overcome that, I mean, I'm just thinking like right now of like <laughs> Navy SEALs. Uh, so you have to like reach a point where what they do in their training is like they literally break them. Yes. And push them so hard that they literally break their mind, break their body. And once you get to that point and then they keep pushing you, you realize, wow, I am capable way more of way more than I thought mentally and physically. Correct. Uh, it was literally a limit set by myself. Um, that they, has barred yes. me. Yeah. They talk actually where Navy SEALs are concerned. They talk about, um, when the, when, when you've reached your, point of what you think is breaking mm -hmm. that the science at least has proven that you can go six seven six to seven times beyond that yeah that you're physically humanly capable of going six to seven times beyond what you thought you were capable of yeah so i mean i mean but what does that say about our decision make decision making though so does that mean we're making our decisions based on what we think we're capable of or what we're f actually capable of? What we think we're capable of, 100%. Yeah. But what if I think I'm capable of, you know, anything? I mean, what if I think there's nothing that's impossible? Well, that, I mean, look at what we tell our kids. Oh, you could be anything you want. You True. could be the president of the United States. You could be an astronaut. You could be this or that. Yeah, well, I um, mean, if you work for Elon Musk, you can be an astronaut these days. And, and the reality is that 
in most cases, that could be true. Uh, but we do limit ourselves, I think. And I think we do limit ourselves in our decision-making as well. Uh, I mean, like, for example, I think just recently there's been, I forget what they're calling it. They have a name for it. But like, basically, the mass exodus of the job market uh, for people that are not, like, staying with their existing employer because they want to go out and, and find new opportunities because on average like you might get like a you know a regular inflationary raise every year but you're not making more money from the, the majority of people but Correct. on average if you're in like a business industry and you leave one place and go to another on average right now you're getting 25 percent more than you would at your well and that's employer. because the industry is so desperate for people who are willing to work yeah never mind whether they're trained to work but i mean right that they're just willing to work but i think that's a, that's that i'm talking that in relation to decision making like in the past people would make the decision to stay um with it an employer because you know before loyalty uh, right was tenure benefits yeah. Yeah. pension and, and, and company loyalty was a, was a was a big thing but right as that went on, you saw companies being less and less and less and less loyal to their employees, but expecting loyalty from their employees and wanting and requiring more from them. Yeah, exactly. And so the great resignation is yes, what I've heard it called. Yes, that's the term I was looking for. And I think that is a, a good step in the decision-making of um, the employees in this country to, to, because what they're realizing is they're realizing their value. And if you're valued more somewhere else, you should pursue that. Huh. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And, and, and you know what? I mean, there's a lot of truth in that. It's like even whenever with my company, my drivers were paid the way they were paid because of their value. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to teach some of them that they were valuable because they were so programmed by a system that, limited what they believe their value was mm -hmm. they literally had to be retrained to understand that what they did was of, of absolute value right and to learn what that value was in and of themselves so yeah i guess there's a lot there's a that's so i mean that brings in a whole other thought and decision making then i mean we could really sit back now i mean so how much has societary programming affected the way people think and change and make decisions decisions now right and that's why i said that example of you know what do we tell our kids when they're growing up we tell them they could be anything that they want Correct. but then the world's not telling them that no the world's telling them there's something less yeah and and they're telling them uh you know if you're a female you can't be anything but a nurse or a teacher and if you're a male you can't be anything but you know, a businessman or whatever, or a doctor, or, and th those set expectations for gender roles, and I think that's wrong in itself, but on a, on, a, on a larger scale, you, we're telling kids they can be anything they want, and then they're going out in the world and finding out, oh, there's obstacles to that. But a lot of the same teaching that they're being told as well, not from the parents, generally speaking, but from society, is that they deserve to be at the top right from the beginning. Yeah that their time in school and their little time in college means they should automatically be at the top of the ladder instead of having to work from the bottom up like the rest of the world has had to do. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth and mommy and daddy, you know, are old money that own a multi-billion dollar corporation and say, here you go. You know, the average person who becomes a millionaire does not do it or becomes financially successful or business successful doesn't do it day one out of college. Right. Yeah, it takes hard work and discipline and not making decisions uh, based on emotion because if you make the decisions based on emotion, you know, I didn't feel like getting out of bed today. I was tired of shit. No, you didn't. But, but <laughs> here I am. We're recording a podcast. Here you are. I got some work done before uh, we started, and I'm going to work the rest of the day too. And um, But look what you're achieving now. Yeah. Yep. That would be what I'm not doing because I – I'm one of those people that, you know, I, I have a strong sense of motivation, but I also um, have a strong sense of want to stay in yeah, bed. I, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I know whatever uh, I send a text that I don't see a text back for like two hours, especially in the morning. So, yeah, he's still in bed. Yeah. Yeah, but I get my shit done is, is the point. Um, you do get it done. You just have a different schedule for doing it. Yeah. Than the average nine to five, so to speak. Right. I, I don't, and I don't think there there's a problem with that. And there's uh, no problem with that as long as the people that you're dealing with don't mind working within that schedule or that right, time frame. Right. And obviously, that's that's the thing is like, as a society, I think we're making a decision that, you know, the nine to five doesn't fit our model anymore. Um, and you see that it was exacerbated by by COVID. I mean, the work from home model. I mean, I th- I'm of the opinion as long as you get your work done and who cares um, when you do it, it's delivered on time when it needs when it needs to be. I don't care if you sleep all day and then work all night and get it done, um, as long as it's not stuff that you have to be interacting with people on a on a regular schedule like the rest of the world. It is yeah. it is not the gener it is not the way I grew up. Let's put it that way. Yeah, or you know you have to sit your butt in the office chair from nine to five, whether you're getting your work done or not. I think the decision-making is a, is a skill that is built up over time. You know, we're taught from a very young age, um, you know, to make good, good choices and good decisions. That's what I and tell my son all the time. Yeah, good yeah. choices. Yeah, exactly. And so decision-making isn't something <laughs> that just happens naturally. Decision-making is something that, builds and you should be building and improving upon your whole life um, as you can pull in more resources and and external information um, the more you can do that the more of that you do the better decisions you're going to make I was talking to someone uh, my cousin the other day and he said that he uh, recently got uh, got let go from a place and um, (coughs) he was really upset about it and he was going to fire back a message and, and say, you know, this is BS and all that. And he was like, he said he sat back and was like, wait a minute. That's an emotional decision. That's an emotional, emotional response. response. And he sat I've back. a few of those lately. He said, I'm going to cool off. I'm going to give myself two days, cool off. And he didn't end up saying anything. And we all make horrible decisions in our lifetime. And if you haven't made a horrible decision, I you haven't made know, very many I, decisions. I don't know what kind of creature you are. <laughs> like, like that's how we learn. Uh, you know, uh, like I said with the the kids example, uh, you know, you put your your hand on a hot stove one time, you're going to learn that that wasn't a good decision. 
Oh, and you're going to learn it even quicker whenever you're going to understand why your parents said you shouldn't do that. Right, exactly. And so I think this decision-making is, is learned personally, and I think that's the most powerful way of learning it. But I think you can also learn from others. Like in business, I've, I'm, I'm a huge resource guy. I take in information all day, every day. Um, and the more I can learn from other people's bad decisions, it can save me from making, from making, those, making my own bad decisions. Yeah, exactly. Making the uh. same mistake. And so I think the more you're exposed to that, that, that it, more you're exposed to information and, and people that are in a similar situation to you and you observe their life and their decisions, um, the better place you're in to, you know, calculate that and make your own decisions based upon, you know, previous experience. I mean, th- think about all the information that's out there in the world uh, and all the personal memoirs and books and uh, biographies that, that people have either written about themselves, autobiographies or biographies. And like, there is not a single decision that has been made on earth or that you can make on earth that, that hasn't already been made by someone. However, it does not necessarily, okay, so saying that does not necessarily mean because that decision played out the way it did for that person that it's going to do the same for you. Right, right. No, that's not what I'm insinuating, but I'm saying you could at least Uh, understand uh, an avenue that it could go. Yeah, and and take that into consideration. Ah, I see, said the blind man. Yeah. Oh, man, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? I don't know, but I know that the decisions that I'm having to make right now are not ones that I'm real happy about. Yeah, and I think they're very we're, often, we're often put in circumstances that we have to make decisions that we don't want to. Um, and I think that's just the nature of life um, that we're required to to do things we don't want and required to make decisions that we don't want to make well i don't know that we're required to well i mean we may have we may have to make choices but i don't know that there's a requirement that we have to (laughs) that's the other that's the other thing about decision making too is you can just abstain you you could be indecisive in our leadership group um we had this presenter come in and she was like how many people are uh comfortable with confrontation and she made like us like if you're this comfortable stand here if you're not comfortable like you'd do something you would say something but not confront them directly stand here or if you're not comfortable with confrontation at all stand on the edge of the room okay and there was only i think like three or four people out of 16 of us that stood right in the center and said i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna deal with whatever is coming at me right um the others were like, yeah, nah. <laughs> nah like, I'm good. I don't need to deal yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah like exactly. me, I'd have been standing in the middle of things like, um, excuse me? In, in college, I took a bunch of classes on decision-making uh, and, like, public policy decision-making, uh, international policy. Ethics. Uh, yeah, ethical decision-making. Um, and, like, I did a, a report for a class called Presidential Decision-Making. Oh. And, and we we compared um, George W. Bush's uh, decision making uh, to Obama's decision making in the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, uh, and <coughs> it wasn't just uh, whether they said yes or no or did this or that. It was 
the structure they set up around themselves uh, to enable them to make good decisions. So uh, the advisors they had, uh, the internal communication that they had, uh, the documentation processes that they kept. Um, it was a very in-depth analysis of the decision-making process and how they got to where they got. And I think that time and time and again, it, the important part of decision-making is the people that you surround yourself, the resources you have access to, and how much you consider them and listen to them. Like in the group think we were talking about, you know, you can have access to all the information you want, but if you're, you aren't open to the uh, opinion or differing opinions, your decision-making ability is entirely limited by your own belief. Uh, well, I guess that's true. And that's, I guess that's one of the reasons that I'm, I kind of am as outgoing as I am. And one of the reasons that I, uh, try to have many associates that I trust or that I can rely on to some degree, um, just as sounding boards with that, everybody, we're going to go ahead and close this out. Uh, thank you for everyone who has been tuning into the podcast. We definitely appreciate it. And, uh, we look forward to chatting with y'all here in a couple weeks. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. All right, y'all peace.